Hello and welcome to the Gemcast. I'm your host, Alex Knight, and this is episode 17. Today I'm joined by Aline Sims, founder of the Less Than or Equal podcast, and science fiction writer Kay Tempest Bradford. In episode 17, In Search of the Stolen Album, Gem and the Holograms prepare to release their debut album. Eric hires Zipper to steal it so the misfits can use the material for themselves. Pizzazz sends the holograms anonymous letters with clues that will supposedly lead them to the stolen album, but instead they lead them into dangerous situations. In the end, Pizzazz becomes angry at Eric since they get a French Lessons album instead of the debut album. How embarrassing. Stay tuned for an action-packed episode. Showtime Synergy. Episode 17, written by Rick Merwin. And what is this episode about? I have no idea. I never saw it. (laughs) Never looked at it. No, no, no. Search for the Stolen Album. This is actually one of the like more memorable episodes of this show. I actually kind of liked it. I shouldn't sound so surprised. I enjoyed many aspects of it. And I enjoyed some aspects, although I found some of the later parts in the episode a little bit wanting. Everybody loves a good scavenger hunt. This is true. Yeah, I have some thoughts about the scavenger hunt, but uh, let's just start at at the beginning. Uh, because we open at Starlight Recording Studios, where Jim and the Holograms are rehearsing There's a Melody Playing. But Jem stops midway and accuses someone of playing flat. And there's a little interchange between Jem and Aja. And Jem says, somebody's playing a little flat. And Aja says, nah, couldn't be me. Must be the mic or something. And Shayna says, maybe you're wearing the wrong shoes. Nah, can't be my shoes. They aren't flat. They're sharp, don't you think? <laughs> oh, look. Sometimes things like this just have to happen in life, okay? These girls have known each other since they were, like, 13. It's like the dad joke of the 80s, you know? Yeah. Yeah. We cut to the misfits entering what appears to be an abandoned building in a rough neighborhood. Eric Raymond, looking quite unkept, if I do say say so myself, is fast asleep at his desk. And, by the way, the desk itself is old and sparse as if it were left by previous tenants. That's that's my interpretation, at least. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Stormer slams the door, waking Erica. He asks the misfits why they're dressed the way they are, and Pizzazz answers, we didn't want anyone to see us come into a dump like this. Do you really think those disguises, quote-unquote, <laughs> will make any kind of difference? I mean, they're just wearing trench coats, aren't they? Uh, but, I mean, the misfits don't usually wear trench coats. And also, mm-hmm. like, if Lois Lane can get away with it, or if Lois Lane doesn't notice that Superman is Clark Kent because of glasses, I think a trench coat could hide a lot of things. Mm-hmm. Also, why is Eric Reedman, like, in a condemned building? Like, oh, we open yeah. the door and the everything's falling apart. It's like, super weird because... It's really- Doesn't Misfits Music still have that building? I think it seems like he's been ostracized because I'm sure Alex will talk about it in a second. But um, they talk about how uh, he's fallen out of uh, what's his name? Mr. Gabor. Oh, sorry. Daddy Gabor is mad at As he should be because Eric is a terrible manager of things. Right. So I have thoughts when Alex gets to that point of... Oh, thank you. That's that's a nice segue. Yeah. Eric promptly places blame on Pizzazz's father for their current situation as he banished them from Misfits music. But there's a chance they can get back on top. 
The key is to get back into Mr. Gabor's good graces by making him some money. Pizzazz claims money is all her father understands, and she has a plan on how to do it. The plan is for Eric to find a way to prevent Jem and the Holograms from releasing their debut album. Somehow, he must get his grubby hands on the master tape. So, so Pizzazz knows, right? Pizzazz knows. All Daddy cares about is money. If you make money for him, he's not going to care about what you did in the past. Like, and this is exactly why they have the weird, whiny relationship that they have. Yeah, yeah. Just because, really, Mister Gabor, like that's all that concerns you, and also. I guess my whole thinking is like, how come Miss Miss Music isn't making money? I mean, yeah, they only have one musical act, but Starlight Music seems to do well. And they won that award. Yeah, I thought about that, and I, I kind of have an answer for that. Uh, I'll, I'll kind of reserve that for the for the end, actually, because the, the outcome of this episode kind of uh, affected my, my thoughts about that. And at Starlight Music, the holograms spend some time making phone calls to make sure the preparations for the release of their album are being done on time. After a short montage of Jerrica, Shayna, Aja, and Kimber speaking with various people, Kimber stretches out on the couch, yawns, and says... It's hard work being famous. Later at Starlight Recording Studios, the holograms record their new single called There's a Melody Playing. And we get a Gem and the Holograms video pretty early in the episode this time. What did the two of you think of the video and the song? I actually, so this confirms or helps affirm my theory that I like the mid-range gem songs much more than the higher-pitched gem songs. Because mm-hmm. I liked this one quite a bit. Um, and I even liked, Jim has like this cute, I hope my husband doesn't listen to this because he doesn't like polka dots, but she's wearing like this <laughs> cute polka dot like sweater dress, but it's not like the itty-bitty polka dots, it's like big ones. Mm-hmm. And they're pastel kind of all over, and I'm talking about her outfit a lot, but like it was super cute, I thought. Yeah, that's actually one of my favorite gem outfits, and I don't know if they ever put that in on the doll, but I feel like they should have, because that was a really good outfit for her. I love the colors, and I love the whole style of it. And I also really love this music video. This song is one of my favorite gem songs. I know I, I say this so much, but it's true. <laughs> it's one of my favorite gem songs. And I also really like the video, um, and I like how... You know, you have these points where, you know, the holograms come flying by and the gem looks over her shoulder and she sings at you and the holograms fly by and she looks over her shoulder again. And I feel like it's just really well sort of choreographed and drawn and stuff. I, I quite like this song. And it also features the rock and roadster a lot, which it does. You know, we don't get to see it very often. And I thought like it was really well drawn this episode. And I was like, oh, oh, I want that car. Why don't I own this car? Exactly. Yeah. Exactly. I just want to say, let the record state Wednesday, August 26th, time 2039, that this is the first time that we have something positive to say about Jim and the Hologram's wardrobe. <laughs> no, it's not. No, no, it's not the first time. I mean, no. Shana has put together some really good outfits in the past, but it is true that lately there yes. have been a lot of clothes that we were like, Shana, what are you doing? How could you put this on people? But, you know, it's, I feel like Shane's about 50-50. Some of them are pretty bad. Yes. I mean, a burlap sack is more attractive. 
Poor <laughs> Shayna. I thought the song and the video were, were pretty good, too, and I thought the, the bass line was pretty kicking. Yes, really mm-hmm. love that bass line. And, and the video, I mean, it was fine. I mean, they're in the studio and stuff like that, so it's not one of those crazy Gem of the Holograms acid trips that we normally get, which is, you know, it's <laughs> It's refreshing. Yeah, I don't I don't like those videos. They really weird me out. It that just, is true. Sometimes yeah. they're a bit much. Although I do note, like even as a kid, I remember noting when she hits that last note as she goes twirling down the microphone. I'm like, that's cute and all, Jim. But aren't you in a recording studio? That's not going to work. Yeah. You're going to have to do that again. You're going to have to have a second take. <laughs> well, <laughs> I was like, this doesn't seem like physics apply right here. And... That. What is she trying to teach children? Well, uh, my interpretation that that was just Tim, the producer, fantasizing. <laughs> <laughs> He's like behind the glasses, like, you know, it would be real hot right now. Oh, God. <laughs> this got so creepy so fast. Like, I don't know why I did that. It made it way more creepy talking <laughs> in that voice. <laughs> instantaneously it went from like <laughs> what are you doing jim to like maybe jim needs some like help well at the uh dilapidated temporary offices of eric raymond where once again generous. we see him napping he really likes napping i don't blame him but he doesn't have much to do at this point i guess that's true so right at that moment uh his nap is interrupted by zipper who stealthily climbs in through the window now I just want to say, why didn't Zipper just use the front door, like the Misfits? <laughs> Zipper this doesn't use. Is an doors. abandoned building. They're like, why does it matter if you enter through the window? It's he all probably Zipper's mystique. But he doesn't have anything to prove to Eric. He, I mean, he's worked with him before. He knows how yeah, stealthy it's he all is. Part of the mystique. He cannot enter a room normally. Remember the last time we saw Zipper? He was hanging out in the shadows. Okay, just yeah, and he's like standing in the shadows, right, right over here. So I, I just feel like Zipper just has maybe he has a code, and one of the things in his code is that he can't enter a room in a normal way, like through a front door or something. He has to climb in through windows. It's just it's what he does. I think Zipper plays a little too much Metal Gear Solid. Thinks he's Solid Snake or something. Well, I was thinking that maybe he's just practical and he knows how unstable that front door is, and right. okay. realized that he needed to take a different <laughs> entrance. Okay, let's let's go with that. I like that explanation. So, anyways, Eric uh, is uh, is woken up by by Zipper, and uh, they have a little conversation. Eric offers Zipper a possible bonus if he's able to steal the master tape from Gem and the Holograms. And we cut to the Gabor estate, where a disheveled-looking Eric Raymond knocks on the door. Matilda, the housekeeper, answers and says, We don't want any bums here. (laughs) That's just like her. Oh, my God. Pizzazz allows Eric in, and he announces to the misfits that they're leaving town immediately. Something unfortunate is about to happen to Gem and the Holograms' master tape, and it's best if they're not in town when it happens. Isn't that obvious? Where does he get the money? I was like, wait, you're you're throwing all this money around, but you're you're like live slash working in a condemned building. His tie is like just hanging around his neck and he can't afford to buy a razor to shave. So where are they getting the money to fly? Maybe Zipper works on the barter system. Uh, I guess uh, it could be. <laughs> actually, no, this, this 
This seems plausible to me. If Henry Gabor will not give them any more money, Pizzazz must have like a charge card or something, right? So it must be coming from her like little little fund that she's got Maybe. kind of like on the side. Maybe she's got to have so. her own money, right? Well, although remember in earlier episodes when Eric claimed to be super broke, he still had money to give Zipper. And it was, you know, the last of his money or whatever. So maybe this time he's been living super rough so that he can afford to hire Zipper when the inevitable moment comes up that they have to do something horrible to Gem and the Holograms in order to further the misfits cause or something. I also think this is the first time that Eric Raymond has shown foresight. Right. We need to leave town so we have an alibi. And I'm like, has this ever happened on Jim and the Holograms before? I don't think it has. And and you're right. I didn't think about it at the time, but that is probably the smartest thing he's ever said. Right? Jim and the Holograms teaching kids how to alibi themselves (laughs) since 1985. Later that night, Zipper breaks into Starlight Recording Studios and completes his mission, stealing the Holograms' master tape. When the Holograms discover the bad news from Tim, their producer, he says... It was a real pro job. I can't even tell how the burglar got in. You have an open window. He went in the window. Forced entry. Did you not call the police? No, of course not. Everything is terrible and everything hurts. This guy's pretty dumb. Yeah, he's, he's, he's not bright. Elsewhere, the misfits are relocated to a resort in an undisclosed location and they're enjoying their time away. Pizzazz comes up with a scheme to make things even more difficult for Jem and the Holograms. Since Jem is going to be searching for the master tape, they decide to create a treasure hunt with cryptic clues. Meanwhile, at Starlight Music, the band is confident that the misfits are behind the stolen tape, but they can't prove it. Concern is growing as they have limited time before they must meet their release deadline, and because they've exhausted a great deal of money producing and promoting the album. So I feel like Jim and the Holograms, they're like finally cottoning on. They're like, oh, things happen. It's the misfits, right? Like, this is a cause and effect pattern that we've established. And like, the misfits are getting more ridiculous and like... (laughs) Like that is true. They, they are probably sus- ridiculous. Right. They probably suspect us, but let's just, you know, lead them on this little scavenger hunt just because we can. Right. For reasons. Reasons. This episode would have been like ten minutes in reality because as soon as this happened, it would have been obvious that the misfits had done this. Jem would have just marched over to their studio, punched Pizzazz in the face, grabbed the master tape. And went ah. back home. <laughs> or there could have been, I mean, they said it was the master tape, but there have to be other tapes with this yeah, music. This is on what's it. so, so stupid. Just yeah. Remix the business. Exactly. I mean, come on. I, I can tell you, I mean, it's, this is obvious. I mean, you don't have to be a recording engineer to assume that they have backup copies, but absolutely in a professional recording studio, you do not just have. A single master. I mean, you have a master tape, but you always, always, always have backups. So there would have been another copy somewhere. So this is just preposterous that that uh, that they have just like a single copy of this album. That's just ridiculous. Then again, this is Starlight Recording Studios. Mm-hmm. So maybe it's just as much of a slipshod operation as Starlight Records because there's only one person running it. Yeah, I mean, maybe Tim is not even that great of a producer. Uh, 
Maybe they're not even paying him. He's just working for food stamps or something. Oh my he's too busy God. being a creeper. <laughs> he's got that mustache, right? So, I mean, he's instantly creepy, of course, because, you know, everyone's untrustworthy with a mustache. Tom Selleck was perfectly trustworthy. Thank you very much. But he's not anymore. But he's not Tom Selleck. Well, he what? is Tom Selleck. But I'm just saying, what? like, the mustache <laughs> corrupted Tom Selleck, and now he is not uh, trustworthy any longer. Mustache is corrupt. The prequel to Magnum P.I. in in another life, but before he became a a, a P.I., he uh, he was uh, he, he was under a, a different name and it was a failed recording engineer. Decided to change his uh, his career path. Right, moved to Hawaii. He did decidedly better after that. He learned how to be a P.I. Uh, through a series of courses on Linda.com. Alex, don't be ridiculous. <laughs> it was the eighties. He had to mail order the course. Oh, from I'm Monday. sorry. Right. Of course. I get, yeah, you're right. Well, we cut to the Flash recording studio. <laughs> God, what kind of segue? I don't even know how to segue from that. Uh, <laughs> Everything is normal. <laughs> we cut to the Flash recording studio and see the Misfits laying their own vocal tracks over top of the music from the Holograms' master tape. How original. And at that moment, we cut to a Misfits music video called There Ain't Nobody Better, which is... <sighs> which song do you like better? Do you like the Misfits version of what effectively is an original hologram song? Or do you like the holograms version of the song? Because it's the same underlying beat, right? Well, it's the same whole song. But all they did was change Right, they the just lyrics. changed the lyrics. Okay. And, and because of that, <laughs> I actually really like this song, too. And I, I listen to them back to back when I when I do listen to all my German holograms songs. I always love to listen to these two back back to back because the music itself is really good, you know. And they don't change it like the melodies, everything's the same. And so then it's just like Pizzazz telling you about how awesome she is, and I like it when Pizzazz tells us about how awesome she is. It does make me very happy. It's a very selfish song, but it's, that's why it's so Pizzazz esque. I was going to say, yeah, yeah, all you have to say is it's a misfit song. And I'm like, oh, it's about how pizzazz is going to dominate everything. Exactly. Okay. And I also love with the with the video elements, the way it mirrors the holograms video that they have for this. So, you know, once again, we have pizzazz looking over her shoulder, telling you all about herself while the misfits fly by on a rucker <laughs> with things of that nature. And I appreciate that about this video. You know what would be interesting if somebody made a mashup of the two songs together? That should be interesting. I don't know if it would work, but I'd like to That'd hear be it. Cool. Yeah, fans, you guys out there, it's time for you to make that happen for us. Yeah, the way I would do it, I mean, I wouldn't just overlay the two tracks because I, that would sound jumbled. But I think, uh, I think if you had it where. A, like the holograms would sing a few lines and then you cut in the l lyrics from the misfits singing like and just kind of jump back and forth between the two of them that might sound cool i agree maybe they should do like a duet out like a join up and and do yes you know why did that would they end ever... in blood oh yeah you're right yeah well there are you know obviously we've seen many songs where the holograms of the misfits are sort of singing the same song although it's often unclear whether they think they know that they're in the same song or not. I don't know. But at I one don't point, think they do. I put all of those songs together in in a playlist called 
two tastes that taste bad together. <laughs> it's kind of an interesting album when you listen to them all together like that. I bet. Well, now I'm thinking about, so I went to, for the listeners, I went to a Pentatonix concert the night before we were recording this. Um, so now I'm imagining like Pentatonix does Gem and the Holograms and like arranges all of these songs and mashes them up. I think that would be freaking amazing. Now, I've never heard of this band, but do they actually play pentatonic scales, as the name suggests? It's it's an acapella group with five me- with five members, which is why they chose the pentatonics. And they do a lot of things in the pentatonic scale. Yes, not everything. Um, but yeah, so they're an acapella group and they take um, a lot of what they do is they do covers of modern songs and um, a lot of like it's mostly pop pop songs, um, R&B songs. But they've done like the history of Michael Jackson from like the 70s until like his last album. Like That sounds amazing. It, it's they are Oh, just phenomenal and talented and they make me really angry but they're they're amazing um so yeah i mean i don't know maybe we can start a letter writing email writing campaign to pentatonics to do gem and the holograms arrangements even though they're all too young to really know what gem and the holograms is i like how you said write them a letter like you just write it on a piece of paper and mail it to them <laughs> old school maybe. style because nobody does that anymore the shock factor yeah like oh my god somebody wrote us a real letter with ink on the page this what is this 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 ink substance a fountain pen and everything oh i could totally do that so gem and the holograms received their first treasure hunt clue from the misfits and it reads for really good tunes the very best yet check out the storehouse and talk to chubbett so did you notice that the um because they did like the cut out the letters and paste it to the page thing. But the word um, time and tune. Yes, they're wrong. They're, they, it's written. Yeah, yeah she, she reads something else. Yeah, that's actually in my in my trivia for, for later on. But yes, I'm glad you caught some. No, yeah, that's OK. Uh, yeah, no, that was uh, I'm not entirely sure how that happened. I, I assume that the, the animation had already been done. And then I guess later they decided when they were recording the audio that they would just change the dialogue and it was they can't they couldn't go back and change the animation so but it makes sense because that was probably a mistake anyways in the animation because it really doesn't make sense the way it's written yay outsourcing mistakes happen well it turns out the storehouse club or sorry it turns out the storehouse is a club in a rough part of town but they decide to go anyway in the rock and roadster hello product placement for the toy line just when the holograms think they're lost, they drive by a rundown building which appears to be the storehouse. Inside, it looks like an unsanctioned rave is happening with some rather unsavory looking characters, if you ask me. The girls are unable to get anyone to answer their simple question of where they can find Chibet. But a man in the back points to a soda vending machine and insists that this is Chibet, the affectionate nickname they've given it. Frustrated, Aja kicks the machine and another clue from the Misfits pops out. Now, before I read this note, I just want to say, did the Misfits really expect someone to kick that machine? Like, uh, that seems unlikely to happen. Like, wouldn't you, if this is going to be a treasure hunt and you absolutely need those people to find the, the notes, why wouldn't you make it easier for them to find it? So that was a bit weird to me. Why do I even, why do I, why do we even bother discussing this? Like, <laughs> Well, the note reads, if it's not in the storehouse, it's at the garage. That dent in your fender is not a mirage. 
And when Gem and the Holograms try to make uh, their way home, two motorcycle hooligans from the club follow them, thinking oh, wait, wait, they wait. have money. I know, I just, first... I just I skipped, I just realized, I forgot to mention okay. the fact that, yeah, I thought it would be obvious, but you're right, I should probably mention, their fender is actually dented when they go to their car. But anyways, they get they get in the rockin' roadster, and two motorcycle hooligans follow them from the club. The holograms are cornered, and eventually sur- they're surrounded by not one, but two motorcycle chain gangs, which is not really a thing anymore, is it? I don't know. Couldn't in the 80s... They, they look like they drove off the set of the Warriors. Like oh, they were totally. around. Absolutely. Jerrica uses synergy to create a hologram of a spontaneous fire, which causes the gangs to disperse. And the holograms go home, and Shayna apologizes to Jerrica for stating that not even sh- that not synergy, that not even synergy would be able to get them out of that situation. I like how they're they're sitting in this car that's supposed to be engulfed in flame, and they're just like. Hey, cool. We're in this car. <laughs> Nobody questions in it. Flame. Right. Look, and everybody else is running away. Everybody just assumes that if you're going to be engulfed in flames, you might as well just enjoy it. Right. Otherwise, you're going to be dead. That that nice, warm, tickling mm-hmm. sensation. Mm-hmm. They're like, the girls aren't pervious to the fire. They're the spot of Satan. Right? <laughs> that would have been amazing if they said that as they drove away. It's like um, in Harry Potter, there's a passage of about like the history of of burning witches and there's one thing where one witch was burned like 11 times because they enjoyed they enchanted the fire and they just enjoyed the tickling sensation um and they had to stop being burned because people were quote-unquote burned because people were catching on so that's how gem and the holograms meets harry potter in case you were wondering indeed thank you for that you're welcome that was the most beautiful thing ever (laughs) at flash recording studios the misfits are celebrating at the completion of their album eric gives the good news that the four major record labels or record companies want to hear their album the following morning the holograms search for the meaning of mirage garage in the misfits cryptic letter after some searching they discover it's a real garage some distance away from town In fact, the Mirage Garage seems like it's in the middle of nowhere, just off the highway, in the middle of the desert. Now, I wonder what desert that actually is. Of course, they never say. Well, if it's fake Los Angeles, then wouldn't that be the... Death Valley? Death Valley? That makes sense. It does kind of look like it anyways. Or maybe it's just like the small desert that exists between fake Angeles (laughs) and fake New York. And that's how they so quickly got between them in the Ah. previous episode, because it's just like some random desert and and not at all any kind of distance or an entire country. After pulling up to the garage, the girls are greeted by Bubba, the garage attendant. (laughs) And apparently he's mechanically inclined as he says he can fix their dented fender. Oh, Bubba. You girls sure are pretty. (laughs) You know, so I grew up with. In a small town with people, not all of them, but a select few could be characterized as Bubba is portrayed. And they're just nice people. They're just just really nice. Right. Because and friendly. Once again, with Bubba and that. Yeah. Accent, yeah. Is, are they suddenly in the South or maybe Texas? I guess the, the stereotype is that he's he's probably not really intelligent which is obviously not necessarily correct. He just ha- he just has the accent. I mean, it's it's silly that they gave him that accent because it doesn't really make any sense, but 
uh, I mean, obviously he's he's he can repair a car and he knows how to do metal work and work with tools. So I mean, yeah. It's fine. And he's quirky, right? He's got the giant tire tower. Like, who doesn't love a giant tire tower? Well, speaking of tire tower, Jerrica notices an unusually tall pile of tires next to the garage and comments on it. She says that Bubba must be really proud of the tire pile. Now, did either of you think that that was just... <sighs> weird? That was a weird Contrived. comment to make, like almost kind of yeah. patronizing. Like, oh, you must be proud of your... T-. Like, she didn't quite say it like that, but that's kind of how it came off to me right she's like what are you doing lady like oh just you know you're simple town folk you must be so proud of your tire pile well apparently a note can be seen lodged between a few tires and aja climbs the tower which is not a smart idea to retrieve it but of course she ends up weakening the structure and it all comes crashing down feeling bad for ruining the tower of tires jerica offers to pay bubba for the disaster but he refuses the holograms make their way back to town uh, to fix the car. And of course, Jerrica reads the next clue, which says, Surf and sun sounds good to me. Riding blue waves is the place to be. So once again, Aja is destroying all everybody's cultural artifacts. But I guess uh-huh. it's not as bad as she destroyed that uh, two, three thousand year old Buddha statue that one time. That's true. In China. But still, though, Aja, stop it. Yeah, Aja needs to be more aware of her surroundings and what her body can do to those surroundings. Well, Gem and the holograms head to the beach to find answers to the clues and the latest Misfits notes. They stumble upon Blue Wave's surf shop, which is referenced in the note. And Kimber finds yet another clue in the surf shop, and it reads, Go 30 paces, cast your net, and don't despair. Flashy music will soon fill the air. 30 paces from the surf shop, Jerrica starts digging in the sand, and miraculously their master tape makes an appearance. But is it? At Starlight House, the holograms discover the tape is blank, so they enlist Synergy's help to decipher some of the clues left behind by the misfits. Okay, before I go into this, this whole thing with enlisting Synergy, why didn't you just do it from the beginning? Mm-hmm. Yeah, that, because but also, that. did they really think that, that the tape was going to be there? They really, really... Yeah, they're very gullible, it seems. I personally didn't know when I was looking at this what Synergy was going to bring to the table, but apparently Synergy has some early form of the internet in her. Right? And not only that, but, like, invasive internet, like... Yeah, getting a copy of credit card information in the 80s without the internet, I mean, that's... No. Sorry. But speaking of credit card uh, data, it turns out the storehouse was once a Misfits concert venue. The Mirage Garage is near a resort owned by Harvey Gabor, and the Blue Wave Surf Shop recently had a charge card purchase from Phyllis Gabor. But what about the final Flashy Music reference? Well, Flash Music Studios is partly owned by Mr. Gabor. By the way, did you notice that uh, when they were, when Synergy's giving them this information and she says, you know, the thing about the charge card uh, purchase coming from someone named Phyllis Gabor, and they're like, oh, that, that, that's pizzazz. I'm like, oh, yes, duh, you know that already. That's just unnecessary. Well, and I wondered why I was stuck on Mr. Gabor already having a record label. So why did he buy one for the Misfits when he could have just had them added to the record label he already had? Yeah, this it's, it just seems like there's so many things that we can unravel in this episode in terms of like plausibility and things that, that makes sense. Because like this whole thing, not only with 
synergy being used to decipher the clues, but the whole thing with the treasure hunt, or not treasure hunt, but the um, scavenger hunt, is just so unnecessary because let's assume going by what they what they tell us in this episode that there is only one copy of the holograms' album on a tape. Why don't the misfits destroy the tape? Because the whole thing the whole thing with the scavenger hunt is to buy the misfits more time, right, to finish recording their album. So if you want time, just freaking destroy the tape. There's no way the holograms are going to have enough time to record a whole nother album. True, but there was that whole thing. With the, I guess it's just like the misfits wanting the holograms music as if somehow that was going to be the thing that allowed them to make some album that everybody would want to listen to, thus acknowledging their own crappiness. Right. I had a problem with that, too, because it's very clear. I mean, we've talked about this before. I mean, how many times we've heard a Misfits song. and Sometimes they're they're better than Gem and the Holograms. So they have musical talent. And I don't buy this whole thing that they need the Holograms music in order to to produce an album, because that's that's absolutely not true. They play instruments. And Second of all, they're already popular, and they've even said in the past that supposedly the Misfits are like the second pop rock band. So what's the problem here? They don't need this. Maybe it's a deep psychological insight into their insecurity that they're covering. They're overcompensating by being jerk faces all the time. Mm-hmm. Right. I mean, the, the, certainly. I mean, they, they constantly feel they're inadequate in, in you know one way or another, right? At least more so from Pizzazz, perhaps, and the rest of them kind of just follow like sheep. She is really uh, the focal point of the band, right? It's just weird. It's a lot of weirdness. And one more weirdness to point out. Aaron Raymond was saying, you know, oh, we have all these music, you know, record companies, whatever, come and listen to this album. Wasn't the whole point of this to make money for Misfits Music? Yes. Then why do they need other record companies? Worst episode ever. (laughs) (laughs) Jerrica, Shayna, and Kimber decide to infiltrate the Flash recording studio by disguising themselves as Pizzazz, Roxy, and Storma. Storma. Stormer. (laughs) I'll do that again. I like it. Oh, you like it? Okay, I'll keep it in. No, you don't have to. It's up to you. No, I've already decided. I'm keeping it in. Uh, And we see Aja drive away and the roadster. And when the three of them enter the building, they are greeted by the janitor. And Jerrica does a spot on accurate impression of Pizzazz's voice, which personally I find unbelievable, but okay. All right, I'll go with that. Eventually, finding the storage room containing many tapes, Jerrica, Sheena, and Kimber rifle through the catalog and find their original master tape, clearly marked Starlight. They grab the tape and make off with it. Good guys win again. I mean, I guess. Well, you guess right. They do win. I guess. <laughs> I do, the, okay. I, yay that they got their tape back. Can't the Misfits just, win just once? Everything is just weird. Everything is just weird here. Just all the scenario is weird as the episode wraps at the grand unveiling of the Misfits' new album we see Eric Raymond next to a reel-to-reel tape deck after making a speech about how this is the album everyone has been waiting for disaster strikes when Eric hits play instead of the Misfits' new music album we hear an educational recording on how to learn French how embarrassing for Eric furious pizzazz rips the reel-to-reel tape uh, apart and blames Eric for ruining everything. I just love her temper tantrum. It's hilarious. She's so thwarted. She just she's so thwarted all the time. And there's one more thwarting 
that she has to endure. But I, I don't know. I can't feel sad for her right now because she did totally steal their album and then try to record her own vocals over all the tracks. That just takes a level of dedication to being a jerk. Mm-hmm. That is is both de- deplorable and impressive. Mm-hmm. Well, and we conclude at Starlight Music, Gem and the Hologram celebrate after reading in Music Biz Magazine that their debut album has reached number one in the charts. It's too bad the Misfits run around to, uh, well, they probably found out about this anyway. So, yeah, extra salt in the wound. But they had it coming, like you said. It's true, they did. And it's good that everybody loves the album. Although I think it's, so we're, this is episode what episode of 17 this is episode 17 and they are just now cutting their first album whatever i don't have feelings about that at all but it's i thought it was super weird too yeah why i think we mentioned this possibly in the in the last episode about you know we're now 17 episodes into the show and they're now just cutting an album okay so they they've somehow amassed worldwide stardom from from what exactly did they ever ha- release two an videos EP? and an EP? I yeah, guess two videos and an EP. That's so it. like MTV probably made them popular, right? Well, uh, but I will say this is very similar to what happened to Guns N' Roses back in the day. Before Guns N' Roses ever released Appetite for Destruction, they released an EP that everybody was like, oh my God, Guns N' Roses. And they were on MTV and they're flying everywhere and whatever. Like Appetite for Destruction didn't come until after they were already, like people were clamoring for them. So maybe Gem and the Holograms are patterned after Guns N' Roses. That makes sense. I'll believe that. So just closing thoughts on this episode. I'm not entirely, well, I feel a little bit ambivalent about this, but I guess I'll get your thoughts on it. Did you think... In Search of the Stolen Album was a better episode than Broadway Magic. Mm. Uh, okay, yes. It was kind of more fun than Broadway Magic. I did like the funny scavenger hunt bits of it. I really mm-hmm. felt like when the person who wrote this episode had this idea, that was the central conceit of it. That they were going to have the scavenger hunt. That's what he really, really wanted for this episode. And everything else was just in service of that idea. So that aspect of it, it's it's cool. Like it doesn't make sense, of course, in the context of everything. But it was kind of cool. I feel the same way. I think overall, I, I enjoyed this episode a bit more than Broadway Magic. I mean, there are certain things that don't make sense. I mean, I think the the setup for. I mean, everything that sets up what's going to happen in this episode, like the scavenger hunt, uh, you know, it's just, it is ridiculous, but I think overall in comparison to Broadway magic, I think it's less of a silly episode, mainly because I think what totally ruined episode 16 for me is the whole like obscene ending with, you know, Jem hopping on a skateboard with high heels and skating down into the sub. I mean, then the, then the hand glider incident. I mean, that's just re- like, oh, my oh, goodness. like you, you should be fired for that. That's just ridiculous. Also, this episode contained uh, 200% less Rio. Yeah, you did see him in a video, though, but he didn't speak and he didn't do anything with smile at Jem, which is his job. So as long as he doesn't speak and he just smiles at Jim, it's all good. Yeah, Rio should just be the pretty face that just 
never talks. Shut your mouth, fool. <laughs> well, why don't we jump straight into trivia? There are a few things I wanted to bring up uh, today. Uh, starting with Jem, Shayna, and Kimber um, posing as Pizzazz, Roxy, and Stormer uh, to get in their master tapes. Well, that's not really much trivia. That's pretty obvious, isn't it? For some reason, though, all the song titles in this episode are capitalized. Not entirely sure who made that decision. Seems totally random, but okay. After Jerrica and Aja see the dent in the rock and roadster, Jerrica's words are coming out of Aja's mouth. Sometimes Aja just pretends to be Jerrica. Sometimes that's the thing that happens. When Jerrica and the holograms find the first note, it reads, In Search of Good Times. But when Jerrica reads it, she says, In Search of Good Tunes, which of course we talked about earlier on. And the last one, there are only two featured songs in this episode instead of the usual three, which is very unusual. Yeah, I think we haven't seen that since one of the really early episodes. Anyone care to take a stab as to why that actually happened for this episode? Well, we, we don't need any other songs. We had two songs that were the same song sung by different people. I feel <laughs> like another song would have ruined that beautiful balance. So it was a creative choice. I think it was a creative choice. It had choice. nothing to do with like a writer's strike at the time or them being lazy and having no ideas. Of course not. Yeah. No, no, no. It was, it was definitely a creative choice. Because what kind of song would they have sung at the end? We got our album back and now we have good reviews and I am kissing Rio song. Like there's no song to sing at the end of this episode. No. I just thought that was pretty good, Tempest. That was incredible. I just made up a song on the spot. It was amazing. Bravo. And on that Do note, you have an actual answer, Alex? Like, is that... Or were you just asking for hypotheses? I was just asking for hypotheses. Uh, okay. No, I did not think it was the worst episode. Yeah, it was... It was... It is a semi-fond memory in my head, and two songs that are the same songs sung by different people. Yay. Aline, I have a question for you. You do? Are you a content producer? I am. Okay. Are you an SEO specialist? Can you get my website to the top of Google. <laughs> Should I press one to talk with an agent? I'm pressing one. Nothing's happening. I was going to say you can't. Is anyone there? This call just cost me $20. It happened. That's it how happens I make the money. <laughs> so you're a content producer. Um, <laughs> now, I've heard of this uh, burgeoning new technology called the internet where people go to this thing and they see information. credit card information about Phyllis Gabor. Assuming that's all accurate and true, where would somebody go to find your content? Well, there's this place called Twitter. Um, it's actually called a microblogging site. What did you call me? Um, <laughs> so you can find me on Twitter at Aline, A-L-E-E-N. I also have a podcast I do every week. They come out on Mondays, almost always, um, where I talk to cool people about the things they love. And that is called Less Than or Equal. And you can find it at lessthanareequal.com. I do also have a Patreon to help me cover the cost of my expensive, fancy professional mic setup. So I sound amazing in your ears. Uh, that's at patreon.com slash Aline. Amazing in our ears as opposed to amazing what other appendages. Ears. I don't know. I do not know. It has been a long day. <laughs> Great. And Tempest. Are you a content producer? I am a content producer. And and I just got back just this week from Worldcon, the World Science Fiction Convention, where I looked at the results of the Hugo Awards, which is the awards that 
uh, are given out by the World Science Fiction Convention. And I have decided that I'm going to start my campaign right now for best fan writer for most awesome tweets. Like, I want my Twitter feed mm. to be nominated for best fan writing. And so you can go to my Twitter feed at Tiny Tempest, where I say funny things and I share links and pictures. I even drew a dragon the other day because I'm just that oh, awesome. I missed so, the dragon. Yeah. So yeah, so I produce content in order that my tweets might be enshrined uh, by an award someday. And are you or are you not an SEO specialist that can help me get my website to the number one spot on Google? I am not an SEO specialist at all. As a matter of fact, I don't even know how to use the SEO plugin for my WordPress. That's how bad I am at being an SEO specialist. That's okay. It'd probably blow up WordPress anyway. Probably. And is, is there anything else? that you want to mention to our dear listeners? Well, um, I'm going to be getting back. back to the... <laughs> I'm going to get back to the Gem Rewatch hashtag. I really am. This past week, I did not do the Gem Rewatch. And I didn't do it last week because there was Worldcon and then I had to finish a thing. But now we're back to the Gem Rewatch. I'm going to do that so you can rewatch Gem with me on Twitter before we rewatch Gem here on the podcast. So look out for that hashtag. And then pretty soon, I'm going to have an interesting crowdfunding announcement that will be at ktempestbradford.com. What about you, Alex? Are you a content creator? I'm afraid I can't answer that. I'd have to kill you. <laughs> oh. He signed an NDA. Yes, Do you have I am. I, I don't ever promote my own stuff. I don't know if I should. You don't. Should you should. Why shouldn't you? Yes. Yes. I am a, well, infrequent not definitely not prolific but infrequent writer i uh i i have a blog or a web blog or however else you want to call it whatever acronym you want to use at zero distraction.com it is not a productivity blog it may sound like a productivity productivity blog but uh i am easily distracted so and actually that was just like the first name that came to mind that was a dot com that i could get that sounded cool and looked okay, so that was the domain I bought. And I've been writing there for about five years now, and I usually write long-form articles. Um, not, you know, it used to be a technology-focused website, but I just it's more just like I talk about anything that's interesting to me, mostly film, design, comics, gaming, all that sort of stuff. Just opinion pieces, that sort of thing. And uh, I also have another podcast called The Impromptu uh, and, uh, yeah, that's, that's basically it. Uh, so as far as this show is concerned, though, we would absolutely love to see a few more ratings show up on iTunes. So please take a second and do that. It is incredibly easy to do that. And it takes probably less than 30 seconds, uh, to leave a short review. You know what? If you're super lazy, just click the star button. That's, yep. that's totally fine. We haven't had a review since July 3rd. Yeah, it's been a while. So I just checked, yeah. If you're new, hello. Thanks for joining Welcome. us. Welcome. And please do leave us a review when you can. That would be really awesome. You're probably thinking, well, what does that do for me? I was Actually, just going to ask, Actually, it does absolutely Alex. nothing for you. It, it does it absolutely you nothing fuzzies. for you. Mm -hmm. it, uh, it makes us feel good. It makes us feel really, really good. Uh, but more importantly, what it does is it helps uh, other people find our show on iTunes because that's how the iTunes podcast directory works. The more positive ratings they are, the greater the chance that your podcast might get featured 
on one of the category pages. So, for example, we're a show that talks about TV shows. So, if you were to go to the TV category on iTunes, maybe one day you might see our podcast there. And if it did show up there, we would get a lot of new listeners, which would be really awesome. I like listeners. I like listeners too. And if you'd like to give us some feedback, you can certainly do so by going to gemcast.tv forward slash contact and use the form there and uh, send feedback to either of us. And uh, you can also donate if you wish by going to gemcast.tv forward slash donate. We have some predefined donation tiers, which would be uh, really awesome if you could give a couple of bucks or whatever you feel comfortable with. That'll help us uh, continue to upgrade our audio hardware and software uh, just to make sure that we, we continue to deliver the best possible sounding show. You can also follow the show on Twitter if you happen to be there at Gem Podcast. And we're also on Facebook under the same username as well. So facebook.com forward slash Gem podcast wherever you like to do your social medias we're on there except for google plus because you know that's fading into oblivion well that's it for this week next week we are going to be talking about episode 18 and what is episode 18 it is hot time in hawaii you know i have a lot of memories of this episode and i think it's because it was one of those episodes where i think it must have been on rerun quite a bit and i know my sister and i watched it a lot because we had a couple of you know vhs releases of the episodes so we would watch them over and over and over again so we'll see how that goes we'll see it could be awesome or it could be a hot mess you, you never know with the show it's know. a travel episode so i'm prepared for the worst we'll see if rio makes an appearance everybody's favorite eh. <laughs> well that's it for this week show's over synergy 